0: welcome back everybody this is your host andrew abrahamian i wanted to give a quick disclaimer before this episode stating that my voice will clearly sound a bit like a chipmunk high pitched due to technical difficulties but we do all our episodes in one take and maddie had some amazing content to be shared about her life and her professional soccer journey so without further ado enjoy episode 13. All right, welcome back everybody of another episode, episode 13 today, and I am joined with Maddie Haley, who is a friend from Stanford who is still excelling in the women's soccer field. She played at Sydney FC, and now she just recently signed with Brighton in, in the London area. She's number 21, a forward. So welcome, Maddie. I'm super happy to talk to you.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, so Maddie, Maddie and I graduated. We were in the same class when we joined Stanford. Very highly recruited class, did really well. I have to mention too, she's a two time national champion <laughs> at Stanford, which is pretty sweet. The men's team, we only won one, so the <laughs> women's team always was a little better than us. But um very fun memories there. And and then she recently started playing pro and has been killing it. But we'll get but we'll get into that a little bit later. We'll start with where are you from, uh, who's in your family, and yeah, we'll go from there.
1: Cool. Um, well, yeah, I'm, I'm Maddie. I grew up in Dallas, Texas. Uh, my dad was a professional football player, played for the 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. That's how we ended up in Dallas. Um, the youngest of three older siblings, they all played sports. Um, and now two of them are living in Dallas, probably will never leave. Um, and then my other sister, Brianna, is a traveling nurse and she's out in L.A. now um, And with my mom. My mom's working in California as well. So we're we're kind of all doing our own thing a bit, but it's nice to have some people still on the West Coast.
0: Yeah, definitely an athletic family. And
1: yeah,
0: yeah I didn't even realize that when we first met, we were like talking at Stanford that your dad was a former pro player. And he's really <laughs> freaking good. If you haven't looked up the last name Haley in NFL, do it now. <laughs> and you'll see. Um, but yeah, so what kind of sports did you play growing up? Your dad was a football player. Did he like soccer? What did you start playing?
1: Um, to be fair, my parents threw us all into sports. So I feel like that's just kind of what you do with your kids when you have lots of kids. So <laughs> get them
0: outside. Yeah. yeah. Get them
1: outside <laughs> away from, away from them. Um, so yeah, I mean, when I was younger, we all just like played at the lo- local YMCA, just kind of whatever. Um, but my parents like really pushed me. I played soccer, um, at the YMCA mm-hmm. just casually. Um, but they also really pushed me to play basketball and I was horrible, like horrible, horrible, horrible. Like I knew it right away. I was like, this is just not my sport. <laughs> I traveled. I traveled every time, fouled out. I was like, I just don't get this game. <laughs> so I played one yeah, season yeah. of basketball and was like, this is not for me. Um, so then it was really just soccer. And then I ran track with my church. So my, all my siblings, we ran track with our church. church.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: So in the summer, we would run track. Um, so that was really, really cool. Is that a
0: Texas thing? Is that a Texas thing running for I don't
1: know. I've never really heard of anyone else doing that. So it might just be a Texas thing. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So anyway, so I ran when I was was really young. I ran track with my church um, and then played soccer. Um, But I also did piano when I was younger because my mom wanted us also to, to, you know, just be involved with instruments. So I did that for a while. But then as soccer became more serious... I had to choose. Mm. And at that point I was like, okay, look, I, I really like soccer. I also just literally hated yeah. playing the piano so much. So I was like, if I can yeah. get rid of this, then I'm focused on soccer. That's what I want to do. So, um, not a crazy multi-sport story by any means, but uh-huh. yeah, pretty, pretty early on, I realized that soccer was what I wanted to do.
0: Yeah. I think you made a good decision. over piano. <laughs> piano. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, I mean, it's super, super interesting that you say you played it, but you decided early. Cause I feel like most, most people usually have trouble deciding, but I think it sounds like you just kind of knew when, you, when, when was that time that you knew and just focused on soccer? Was it like, like middle school? Was it later than that?
1: Yeah, no, it was about, about middle school. I think um, that's just because it was becoming select and like the EC was mm-hmm. becoming a thing. Now everything's like super different. I have no idea what's going on anymore because um, I'm. Definitely too old now to, to keep up with what's happening in the leagues now. But yeah, so that was when the ECNL, it was brand spanking new. So you're going to be traveling out of state. You're going to have all these showcases. So it was just like, it's going to be, it's like a full-time thing outside of just, you know, being a student at school. So it was kind of like, mm. you if you actually want to do it, like it's going to be a huge investment. It's going to be cost. So it was like, okay, well, if you want to do it, then let's, right. then let's actually, you know. Put, put everything into it um, versus kind of being pulled into different directions. So, um, yeah, it was about that time that I was like, yeah, actually, I, I'm really just enjoying it. It wasn't even like me thinking like, oh, I want to play in college oh, I want to do all these big things. It was just like, oh, I'm having fun. Right. I want to keep playing, so let's do it.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's probably still what keeps you going now. It's, it takes that. Exactly. Like, I just love, love to do it and have fun that keeps you going. Um, yeah. So you chose then. I, I know that you were part of the national team growing up. Growing up when did you like start getting noticed big time? Pro- probably when you started playing travel with ECNL, when did it, it kind of yeah. like take off for you? What age?
1: Uh, so I started getting recruited in seventh and eighth grade, which is pretty crazy. Uh, so, literally, like, yeah, right then. so still like, <laughs> so still like middle school, which is again, like, like I said, I had decided and like, I think, yeah, like early, early middle school, But I wanted to keep playing, Mm -hmm. and it became more serious. Yeah, just kind of like you said, just ECNL. I mean, it ECNL puts you in front of hundreds of college coaches, and that was happening like six or seven times a year with the showcases. So, I mean, the platform was really there for athletes. And yeah, at that time, I was with the the national team as well. Um, So yeah, like UNC, um, UVA, uh, as well as UCLA, like seventh and eighth grade. I'm like. I'm, it's seventh (laughs) grader. I don't know what college is. Like, I don't like, that's not what I'm even thinking about. Like, you know, so it was, it was just crazy. Um, and so, yeah, we kind of like pushed that off a bit. Um, thankfully my parents were, uh, just very smart and just handled the whole process so well. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we're kind of like, you're too young, honestly, to be even really thinking about that. And there's no rush to commit in seventh grade. Like that's not it's not a race. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. um, I kind of pushed off of the whole college decisions until really, I did visits earlier, but I didn't decide, um, and commit to Stanford until my sophomore year, like near the end of my sophomore year, which was really late for a lot of people, like for my class year. So yeah, started early, but I committed very late.
0: Got it. So it sounds like your parents might've had experience. Did any of your siblings play sports in college? Did they go through the recruiting process?
1: Yeah, I'm not even sure. Like, I never actually asked my siblings what the recruiting process nah. was for them because they are quite older than me. Like, my oldest sister's 10 years older than me, Princess, and she played um, at Florida Southern University um, in, in Florida. <laughs> um, and then my brother played at uh, University of Texas, El Paso, and he played football. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not actually quite sure what their process was like. But, yeah, like I, like you said, they my parents mm. had been through it before, so they kind of probably already knew. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I feel like, mo- I mean, most parents that would be like inexperienced, let's say you were the oldest, the parents would probably be so overwhelmed to be like, we have to go to everything and talk to everybody because yeah. we can't miss out on this opportunity. But your parents were like, you'll be fine. You'll we'll be fine. It. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> so that's good. That's very good. Uh, perks of being, I guess, one of the youngest in your family. Um, <laughs> one of many. So, in- <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So one, one thing I want to talk about is being on the U.S. national team as a youth. So like, how how was that? Was there any crazy places you traveled? Any like core memories that you have of from that period of time?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, now it just feels like forever ago. So now I just feel super old. Um, <laughs> you'll, you'll be
0: back soon. Yeah, you know hopefully. That. Especially, hopefully. Especially now that you're at Brighton, I mean, you will be.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Now I'm the age where it's like it's full team or nothing, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, so many core memories. And yeah, it does feel like forever ago, but those memories are still very fresh. Um, I just remember like, i mean with under 17 cycles like that where you're having you know world cups you know you're having qualifiers stuff Mm -hmm, like that where mm -hmm. you're having so many camps like my freshman sophomore year of high school i pretty much wasn't there like i was gone all the time like i missed dances i missed like a lot of things that's just how it is um when you're Mm -hmm. trying to compete to be in a you know a world cup in the qualifiers in the group so um yeah. I just remember just like all the, all the time spent together, just the random stuff that you do on camp. Like there's nothing to do. You're just <laughs> there to train. Yeah. So you just have to really entertain yourselves, but it's just such, it's so fun. I think those experiences cause it forces you outside of your comfort zone. Like the first time you go to those camps, right. like, you don't really know anyone. Like you might know a few people, but like, I remember a couple times I would, you know, get on the plane with a couple girls from Texas. They happen to be, you know, invited to camp, but then, as things go on, form changes, then all of a sudden you're maybe the only one from Texas going anymore. So like you kind of hopefully have had made friends in previous camps. So yeah, I still, um, I still look back on those times and I'm still friends with those girls, a lot of those girls, even though we don't talk regularly at all, you know, but I still feel like very invested and, you know, paying attention to all the things that they're doing. And they've all gone gone on to do amazing things outside of, playing soccer um so yeah just really special and I think it just forces you to grow up a lot like just traveling alone at a young age like going to different places you know being professional in those environments of course um Mm -hmm. and And you're
0: treated like a pro too like yeah like they treat you like they would they would treat the full national team absolutely
1: yeah like yeah. standards are high like you know and a lot of pressure as well so like you're experiencing mm-hmm. a lot at a really young age so you kind of you adapt it's like you know it's adapt or you know that's it um mm-hmm. so yeah i think those are kind of the memories i have just those relationships with the people making those connections and and just also it still feeling fun like there was pressure there was all of mm-hmm. that you're competing mm-hmm. but it felt fun it still felt like you know, probably eight years prior when I was first deciding, like I still want to keep playing. I never really lost that, um, which I think right. is really special.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And you brought up some, some trigger words there. So the U17 World Cup, did you play in that?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I made the qualifiers roster and we lost. Okay.
0: Uh, to you Mexico. lost in qualifiers? Yeah. Oh, so where, where, was, was, in, where were the qualifiers?
1: It was in Jamaica. Yeah. Uh, okay. What was it? Um... I'm blanking something Bay. I'm blanking on the first part. Montego Bay, Jamaica. Um, Yeah, so we lost to Mexico, and it was I forgot where it was being hosted, but essentially it was only going to be two teams. Let's say it was Costa Rica. Like Mm -hmm. I I think it wasn't supposed to be in Costa Rica. So like Costa Rica had only already qualified because they were hosting it. So it was like only one team from CONCACAF or something like that. So we lost to to Mexico, and then we were out. So we never got to go, which is crazy. Yeah, brutal yeah
0: (laughs) yeah I feel like that's that's happened too much for the U.S. hopefully going forward we don't miss qualifiers anymore but way too much we're so good we're so good to like not be in all of those uh tournaments but yeah that's besides the point um (laughs) so what how how many places have you traveled like let's just try to rattle off as many places you can remember for soccer because I feel like that's one cool thing of once you get to a certain level yeah you get to go around the world
1: that's true um Spain, England, uh Jamaica, Mexico. Um to be fair, even with like my national team cycle, I've like missed out on a lot of like cool places. I feel like the next <laughs> cycle, they went to like really sick places. Yeah. Um uh-huh. Well, again, back in England, I guess now with uh, Australia, but I guess that's when I was older, so not yeah. but um, That
0: still counts for some yeah, yeah, so
1: we'll count it. Um
0: that's yeah, still a pretty good list. I feel like that's of more than right now.
1: Yeah, I'm than, sure there's more, than more. 99% of people. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I feel like most uh, college age and like high school age kids have not even traveled. Much yeah, at all. true. That's like a lucky family vacation. Yeah. Um, so, still, like that's amazing, and I think you might have outlasted me in terms of how how far you've went uh, <laughs> around the world for sure. But so from so from playing U.S. national team, what was it like? I remember personally, when I was on the national team in high school, you kind of brought it up. There's like clicks and like a core group of players that stick together. And there's some people that kind of come and go. How did you find yourself like getting close to that group of core players and then like having to deal with people coming and going mentally? Like, was it hard for you? Was it just natural? Um, so how was that experience?
1: I think to be fair, at least for the under 17s, like BJR head coach, like pretty early on in our cycle like nailed down his core players so like camp to camp it'd maybe be like one to two changes so it wasn't like this influx of people coming in and out it like was very stable and like I think that's probably more of an anomaly anomaly that just means that everyone was handling business when they were I guess back at home and with their clubs because I don't really think that's the norm by any means um but yeah I think uh, as I got older was moving through different cycles like the under 18s, under 20s. Like, I think it was a bit more of that, but I think I kind of found at least for the under 20s, I found myself being probably more that person that's like the person coming in versus me being a part of like the core group. So I think I got to see it from both sides, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it doesn't really change anything, right? Like, you just welcome those people, um, you know, it's it's their first camp or for it's if they're being if they're back, like, it doesn't really matter. You just like integrate them in the group um right yeah and you just kind of keep it moving because you never know when that could be you as well so I think that's just the best way is just to treat people how you want to be treated
0: definitely yeah I feel like it's it's one thing where it's kind of unique like in terms of playing in college and high school like you have the same team yeah it really does like stay um for the most part but with national team stuff some one person has a really good season, and it might be better than the one that's already there. So they just swap you out, and they don't yeah. really say, say anything. Just, they just do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like so mentally, you sound like you've been pretty stable in general with like and confident with like how you've been playing. But I know that sports, like soccer in general, is a very pressured, like full situation, especially as a striker yeah. trying to score. So is, were there any times in it could be with national team with Travel soccer, where you had like a, a, a rough spell and, and it was like a mental struggle for you to keep going. Were, were there any times you can remember?
1: Um, not at that age, like more in college. So I don't know if you want me to jump okay. ahead to college, but yeah, let's um, go. Let's
0: jump jump into Stanford <laughs> and we'll keep it moving. So okay. I, said, I feel like most, most people will face challenges in college compared yeah. to when you're at home with your family and stuff like that. So exactly. Yeah, let's hear about the struggles at Stanford a little bit. <laughs>
1: Um, Yeah. So obviously went to Stanford. I mean, the elite of the elite in the classroom, out of the classroom. We know that. So just by being there, it's you're in a pressure cooker, essentially. Um, Mm. But I think, I think as much as we chose Stanford, Stanford probably chose us in the sense of like, I don't think you, you have to want to put yourself in those environments. Otherwise, you don't find Mm. yourself in those environments. I feel like very rarely do you find yourself in those environments if you don't want to be there. So like all the things I said, um, in terms of, when we're talking about my journey just to the Nash team growing up, like I felt like I was very independent when I was younger. And that I think was a mm-hmm. byproduct of just being an athlete, being with the national team. But I also just think the way my parents and my family raised me, like they just gave me ownership of the things I I did. They let me fall when I needed to fall out on my face and there to pick me up. But like let me make mistakes, let me figure it out and like let me be accountable for the things that I need to be accountable for. Um, so I feel like having that, yeah. that that upbringing helped me a lot going to Stanford. But like you said, college is just like, it's where you're finding yourself. Things are changing. You're yeah. changing. Like, I just feel like, I think Hideki, our assistant coach at Stanford said, college soccer is like life on steroids. Like that was his quote. And like the first like time that. he said it, I was kind of like, what like you know a freshman like what is he talking about (laughs) and then I was like okay yeah actually he's right I mean it's the highs the lows you go from winning a national championship in 2017 to losing the semifinal the next year and then you go back and win it in 2019 I mean it's just like it's all over the place and then yeah throwing injuries within that so I had kind of a lot of injuries in college um which is quite annoying because now that I'm older and have a better understanding of my body, like a lot of this could have been nipped in the bud and it just didn't need to happen. Um right. but yeah, I had hamstring issues at Stanford and they kept me out a lot of the time, like pretty much. I did one off season at Stanford, which is my freshman year, which is crazy. The rest of the time mm-hmm. I was rehabbing. Every other off season I was doing a rehab. Crazy which is just outrageous Um, and just is not how it should have been. So I think there was always a willingness to keep moving forward and to always get back on the pitch. But I think, like, my sophomore year um, was definitely the hardest because it was, like, the worst my hamstring had been, had to get a PRP. Um, But before that, I had been in pain for so long. Like, I was in pain. For people listening,
0: PRP is... Just an injection, right? So yeah. How would you describe it now that you've, <laughs> had, you've had probably one or uh, a couple? <laughs> probably
1: like the worst pain I've ever experienced for like it's just like mm-hmm. ten seconds, but it is like excruciating pain. Um, yeah. A huge needle, yeah. Um, not not fun. So definitely don't do it if you don't need to. But it was very <laughs> very very helpful. So I'm obviously super thankful that I did it. But um, yeah, I was just in pain for such a long time before. Like we finally got around to giving me the injection. and like being in physical pain, like it affects you mentally, whether you think it does or doesn't. And I don't think at that mm-hmm. time, I really realized that, like that mind body connection. So I think I noticed like, like myself. Um, like my personality, my mood, like I I noticed that it was different, but I didn't really know how to articulate that. Like, I didn't know like that I was like really sad about it. Like, you know what I mean? And luckily I lived in a sorority, which is just, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a sorority. So there's lots of things going on and I got to live with some of my best friends and some of my teammates who, you know, well app. And I just feel like that was the best environment for me at that time. And I think, yeah. you know, God's always got a plan. So I just remember like a moment with Chelsea Trattner, who was a lacrosse player at Stanford. And I mean, I live in the story, like I didn't want to go out, you know, like they're like, come on, you know, let's go out. Let's go do some stuff. And I was just like, look, I'd rather, I literally would have rather been like finishing a computer science <laughs> assignment than yeah. to go out. Like, oh, yeah. that. I've
0: been, I've been there too. Yeah. <laughs> like
1: that's it's that's how feeling. it was yeah and i was like i just don't i don't feel like that i just was like look i just want to like focus because it feels like everything else is out of control so i need to focus and like have control and like in this right. one thing which is for me throwing myself into work school work which is like i guess a good mm-hmm. coping measure but like also you still everything need to in moderation yeah exactly yeah. it's like well i still needed to address the problem i couldn't just like veer and put all my attention there like i still have to actually be mm. addressing things and i just remember her sitting down and just like just talking to me like one-on-one, just like asking me how I, how I am and just letting me vent and like letting me like share like what I needed to share. And like, I just feel like that moment and I, it's been years, like it's been like five years probably yeah. since that moment. And I still remember it and it stuck with me because it meant so much. And I like probably didn't realize how much it meant at that moment. But when I got out of like that place, it yeah. was happier and in different, like different space, mentally, emotionally, physically. I look back on that moment, like that was pivotal for me to be like, okay, like it's okay that I'm feeling all these things. And I actually probably should articulate that I'm feeling these things so that my friends right. like, are aware and can help me. And I feel like that just changed everything. Then it was like, okay, now, yeah, I do want to go out. I want to do, I do want to have fun. I do want to still connect. I can't just withdraw because I'm struggling right. a bit. So I think that was really formative. And just as I've gotten older and dealt with different things, I feel like I have the tendency to do that when I feel like I'm struggling mm-hmm. a
0: bit. Yeah. And so now I feel, it's like, I like, it's natural.
1: Yeah. For, so for now for I just like of, yeah. the recognition of like, it's okay that I need to do that, but I don't want to like default into that and stay in that place very long. I need to like reengage and need to right. like make sure I'm still communicating, et cetera. So I think right. I've learned a lot just from that, but like you were at Stanford, yeah. exceptional people, just an exceptional place. And right. yeah. So luckily to have good people.
0: Yeah. In my I life. Think that's saying <laughs> I think, for me too, like going through injuries, you definitely tend, tend to like withdraw a little bit from things and your energy, like you get most of your energy and joy most of the time from like being out there and like competing yeah. with your teammates and scoring goals and all that. And once you don't have it, it's like it's you, hard. you lose that like like energy source, like that dopamine rush, that serotonin, all these things. Um, yeah. But shout out Chelsea. That's like a truly good friend. I feel like, <laughs> exactly, and it takes a lot, of, it takes a lot of courage, like the other way around, like from her perspective to, to yeah. go up and like point blank, just ask you and like kind of force that out of you a little bit. Um, yeah. And it's really cool that you remember that that moment from her too. Um, I think friends and being around people, just even if it's like forcing yourself to go out one time or something uh, with your close friends, yeah, always a good thing. And it kind of gives you that that belief and kind of joy again which is cool um so then from there there, you did amazing at stanford and (laughs) kept crushing it still faced more injuries but i could even tell you were much more content and like happy with who you were where you were um going forward but any like of your best memories with stanford women's soccer would be It could be a national championship but whatever whatever you want, want to pick uh what like pops into your brain right away
1: I think for me, and I think this is probably like the more rogue answer, but I think it's any athlete will tell you it's, it's not necessarily like, it's not the destination. It's the journey. So like for me, like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think the easy answer would be like, yeah, winning, winning the national championship at Avaya stadium, at our home stadium to win it uh, (laughs) again in a season that no one thought we, they thought we'd finish fourth in pack 12. Like no one thought that we were going to do anything. And Mm -hmm. for us to do it in that style, like, it was great, of course. It's always going to be, a, like, a highlight. But for me, like, I wish I could just have, like, one more moment in the locker room with the girls, music playing loud, just hanging out, just, like, yeah. talking, <laughs> you know, like, just harassing each other, just having a good time. Like, just, yeah, just connecting with one another. Like, we were such a tight group, and, like, we all were in each other's business. But, like, it was a good thing. It wasn't, like, a negative thing. We all were there, each other cared for each other. So I think for me, like, that that's what it means to be a Stanford women's soccer player like that's what I'd like to think um when I think Mm -hmm. of Stanford women's soccer is like those moments and those girls and like it's like specific people that's you know stick out of my mind like Avery Collins like in the locker room just like (laughs) being crazy like Katie Meyer you know it's like these are there's people that you think of I got cynics nay like in the locker room it's just in Belle Breedy like it's just those moments and those connections with those people that mean so much to you because you're spending all your time with them so I think right. for me like that that's those memories are what stick out to me more than lifting a trophy
0: mm-hmm. but we love to lift trophies I though <laughs> that. oh yeah like we still have to win right but I think yeah. the, the joy is definitely in like the journey and the little moments so the cool thing about having a podcast is you can like talk behind the scenes a little bit yeah it's men's soccer culture in the locker room versus women's soccer culture locker room is very different Um, in terms of like we're very like serious focused like straight faced our coach doesn't let us play crazy music give us a look at least that's when I was there might might have changed now we'll see
1: probably not
0: Let's hear what was it like in the women's soccer locker room on game game day, like practices. <laughs> What'd you guys get up to?
1: Oh my God. Keep it
0: PG. Keep it PG. I know, right? Like,
1: I can't, I honestly <laughs> can't even quote a single song that we'd play in the locker room because it would not be PG. But like, we would, oh my gosh, we would just dance. We would party. We were so loud. I mean, we'd be sweating. Like, we would be sweating. Like, we would always joke, like, because I sat next to Nay in the locker room. We'd be like, we're already warm. Like, I don't even need this warm up. Like, we are warm. Like, we have been dancing screaming yelling pushing you know just for the last 45 mm-hmm. minutes and we're blasting music loud like our coaches are in the in the lounge like they could hear all the right. music that we're playing and it, we did not let yeah. that bother us from what we chose for us like our song selection like we were like we did not care we're going to listen to whatever mm-hmm. is going to get us motivated and hyped and jump and you know and jump in so we would play a lot of you know rap music etc um but it's been very different. Like now that I've been in different locker rooms, I'm like, oh, it's a lot. Like it's not necessarily that music, and that could just be culturally because I'm obviously in different. I've gone to different countries as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a little bit less rowdy as Stanford <laughs> soccer. Like we we got lit, we got lit definitely. Oh, yeah. But we're we could we could hear age. you guys sometimes.
0: Yeah. From like our <laughs> locker, two hundred feet in the same like way far down, we could hear your music blast. We're like, sounds <laughs> like a party over there yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah we had fun yeah it's that's super, super fun you guys had a very fun culture and we had we had a bunch of fun times uh, <laughs> at, at school men's and women's soccer getting yeah. together for parties or whatever but we'll keep keep it moving because now you're obviously doing amazing things too how did you decide to keep playing pro soccer did you have did you have like a realization were you looking to do other things or was it always pro soccer, pro soccer coming out of college
1: I think it was always pro soccer for me I just kind of like we've said like kind of just at the beginning of this podcast like I just love the game and I think
0: mm-hmm.
1: I I'm not done yet like I just feel like there's still so much more I can do and I think as well just being having an injury-ridden college season like I I still feel like college soccer never saw me at 100% and I was still pretty right. good and I was never at 100% still got something to
0: prove yeah, yeah. you know I was
1: and I was never at 100%. So I just felt like I wanted to give myself that chance to to get, get close. Like, I ha- don't think I've reached my ceiling. I still don't think I've reached my ceiling. And I want to just push myself to get there. And maybe I fall out of love with the sport. Maybe I just become tired of it and I want to do something different. And that's fine. But I want to at least push myself mm-hmm. while I can um, to right. try to get there. So I think it was always it was always to go pro it's a matter of where and when right
0: yeah so how <laughs> yeah. so how did that how that process go for you in deciding where to go you ended up in Australia which is not yeah. not close to where you were <laughs> not very close um, at all not in the US so how was, how was it with getting an agent figuring out where to play how did that that go
1: i think i got very lucky in terms of tegan McGrady, former teammate her parents, they're from the Bay Area. They still they still came to our games. Mm-hmm. Like Tegan was long gone at this point and I happened to be at the tailgate and I was injured at the time. I wasn't even playing. And I came to the tailgate and they kind of stopped me and were kind of asking me, you know, you want to play pro after, etc. And they're like, look, we'll hook you up like with Tegan's agent, like to have a conversation. I think this is like mm-hmm. my senior season or fifth year at this point. Um and they're like, yeah, just, you know, here's the you know their number will put you in contact just so you have someone to talk to because you know you're you're, I think I had already gotten drafted at this point yeah so this is after I was drafted so like you know I'm gonna have to start dealing with it eventually so that's how I got connected to my current agent and agency which is very lucky because I think it can be very difficult to navigate um getting an agent all of that uh, but once yeah. I got an agent and everything and then was finishing up my master's, it was time to kind of make a decision. And I think I really like grappled with deciding what I wanted to we, do. Where,
0: what, what number were you drafted? I, for- I totally forgot because you played overseas. What number were you drafted and where were you, where were you drafted to?
1: I was drafted seventh overall um, to Chicago Red Stars and I didn't enter the draft. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah that was crazy that was I remember we were,
0: I think I was with I think I was with you at that time <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, like did you why did you just go drafted
1: <laughs> yeah but, that's a whole nother separate yeah. story but yeah yeah but yeah anyway okay, so um,
0: so you got your agent and then yeah
1: and then had to make a decision on yeah so then I had to make a decision of well I did get drafted so I could go to Chicago or do I want to do something different and I think I've always felt very strongly about going abroad I've always felt that way and I never necessarily articulated that a lot because like a lot of my friends they were very much right, so like right. in so in WSL. and I just kind of was like yeah it's great like Chicago's a great team like you know at that time I was like you know that's like a place I would want to actually go in the newbie cells like that's a really cool place Tierna's there um and when I did get drafted a lot of the girls dealing with me and were very welcoming so I was like oh it would be a cool setup you know but
0: Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. actually
1: what I want to do? Or is that a decision that I think people want me to make? And I really struggled with that. Cause I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I'm waiting for these other deals to to pan out and seeing where I could go abroad. And so it was really stressful. And I remember having a moment and I was about, you know, I was like thinking to text my agent, like, you know, what? whatever, let's just go to Chicago. And I was kind of like, I don't think mm-hmm. I should just, you know, make a whatever decision about what's going to be my career. So I kind of like, right. Had to pump the brakes and was like, "It has to be my decision." So, like, I need to be accountable for it and for whatever comes with it. So I was like, "I have to make a decision for me." And for me, that meant going to Australia. I thought that was going to be the best thing for me, and I think it was mm-hmm. a bit random for like Americans and just the people in the public. But yeah. it was the best thing for me. And look where I am now. And I, the minute I made that decision, I just felt such like peace and calm, like come over me. And I, and I just wasn't stressed. It wasn't, wasn't any of those things anymore. And I think for me, that was an indication, like That's I awesome. made the right decision and then it ended mm-hmm. up panning mm-hmm. out and working out really well. So I feel like, yeah, if you yeah. got to go with your gut sometimes, um, and not be so swayed on what other people want for you, because it's and at the end of the day, it's my life. I'm the one that has to do it, uproot my life and you right. know, put my body through all of that. So I'm super happy that, yeah, that everything worked cool. out.
0: Yeah. Good for you. you. That's, that's, I think one of the most mature decisions I've heard because yeah, like most people will be like, Oh, you got drafted. Like you should go play for them. They really want you blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's in the U S. Um, but then again, like you said, you only play at your best level when you're like feeling that peace and like happiness and like enjoying and proud of your decision. Yeah. And clearly you you did that and played really well. So let's talk, let's talk about your season in Sydney it was one season or two seasons I forget. just one yeah. yeah just one okay so how did that go to give a little rundown for people of how well you did and goals whatever 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 stats we can throw out there
1: um I think you I, got, did you get MVP I got MVP of the grand final which Australia is a bit...
0: Well, no, only, only the grand final. Yeah. Yeah. Australia,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Australia is a bit weird. So we won the league and then the grand final was essentially kind of like I consider like the national championship because that would be the equivalent. Mm-hmm. So you've got your regular season then national championship. But for them, it's the grand final. and It's just four teams. Um, and they love their yeah. grand finals. So we won both. <laughs> I got MVP of the grand final. I think I ended the season with 11 or 12 goals. I think maybe 11. Um, mm mm-hmm. I, ha- I did have a little bit of an injury there that kept me out, but because um, I was in contention for the Golden Boot. But yeah, a really successful season. At the end of the day, just super happy that we accomplished like the collective goals of winning the premiership and the grand final, um, especially now that I've kind of moved on. Um, I felt like I left, you know, and accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish. It would have been a really bad feeling nice. if we hadn't done that and I left with unfinished business. Right. So it felt nice to be like, Whew, okay everything's done we accomplished what we needed to do uh but yeah it was awesome like i just loved it and sydney's like an amazing place i tell everyone that i want to move there i was like you will not see me long term in america like i'm gonna move to australia when i'm <laughs> older like not playing anymore like i just yeah. loved it like it's just what made you what made you love it oh my
0: gosh like in particular just, uh,
1: like i don't know like it's just very the accents
0: s- or what
1: <laughs> <laughs> i know okay the accents are great um i think just everything like Sydney, so I lived in like a suburb outside of Sydney. So it was about a 50 minute train ride into the city. But I mean, just the nature, like the beaches everywhere, obviously, just so much just mm-hmm. nature, parks, botanical gardens, everything. But also the city really cares a lot about its arts and culture, like the city would put on a lot of just like random events and a lot of times free. Like these are just free events. Like I went to a random music festival Mm -hmm. on top of an expressway that they shut down for no reason just to have a music festival that's overlooking (laughs) the opera house. Like how crazy, I was like, I'm Mm -hmm. literally on an expressway that they closed for this random concert and I'm looking at the opera house. Like I was just like, how is this my life? Like how is this my life? It was just crazy (laughs) and it's just beautiful and the people are amazing and it's the lifestyle. Like everyone is just laid back. Everyone just seems... Really happy. Everyone is just—I don't know. Just it seemed like everyone was very content, like contentment. And I know that's probably not—it's yeah. not 100% true, but it really felt like everyone around me was just like yeah. really happy with everything. And yeah, I also just felt like there was so much to do. Like I just, I yeah, that's I could awesome. have all the time in my world and not not get cross off everything on my bucket list for Sydney. Just even just one place. Yeah. <laughs> like I haven't so even gone to Melbourne like, and all these other places. Like
0: it sounds yeah. like. He's going back to to Australia. Very yeah, the Yeah, some exactly. point. soon. So now you are in England, which is a bit different. Yeah. Um, give us a quick rundown of what it's like being a pro and getting uh, signed somewhere else trans- transferred. How did, did it come quickly? Did you, were you were you, want, were you wanting it to happen? How did it come about?
1: Yeah, I think it um, it did and didn't happen happen quickly. Like halfway through my season. I think some some WSL clubs had made contact with my agent but at that point in time like we hadn't won anything yet. So it was going to be mm-hmm. contingent upon us winning things because there's like a point system which I'm still a bit confused about but it has to do with the visa.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah, so it has to okay. do with your visa. So like if you like if you're playing in a top league it goes with like your percentage of minutes played whether you won things, all of that gets you kind of more points, at least in my understanding. So is it like a ranking
0: system or is it
1: it just to be able to transfer? Yeah. To be able to get in England. This is like an England thing because they keep changing the rules. So like I would have been fine. I wouldn't have had to really worry about any of that if I was going to anywhere else, but it's really hard to get into into England. Um, So yeah, that was more of an England thing. So they had made contact with my agent halfway through season but we hadn't won anything yet so my agent was like Mm -hmm. it's sick but it doesn't mean anything you gotta like (laughs) go win some stuff so we went and won stuff and then but even then after I had returned home my agent was like yeah I think it might work but we're not 100% sure if you have the points so I was like well don't get my hopes up I was like well you know you're telling me WSL club so I'm like this is what I want like this is what I want but I had some other options as well but then when he came back to me, he was like, well, actually you do have the points. So now we can kind of start having a conversation with the clubs. I was like, this is incredible. Like I was not expecting to go to Australia and then make the jump here. I was definitely thinking go to Australia, right. make the jump to Europe, and then hopefully after another season, then try to get into England. So to make the jump directly, has just been crazy. And it just took me by surprise, but I'm so happy to be here. Um, I think again, yeah. God's plan. Um, I found myself in such an amazing environment, and I think I'm going to grow and become a much better player. And that's honestly the most important thing is just to keep growing and developing. So, yeah, very happy. No
0: doubt, no doubt. And you're at a very strong club right now. Like, yeah, for both men's and women's teams, they're definitely on the rise for sure. Yeah. Um, and when when they signed you, they kept that trend going. I feel like you're <laughs> going to have another very good season. Um, but so you said before you talked you're going through a little bit of an injury to start um what's the season looking and looking like how long is the season right in and do, when do you think you'll be think you'll be back ready to play
1: yeah so i mean it's a really really long season i mean i think we finish in what like may um so yeah it's a very yeah. long season we'll have the opportunity to fight for three trophies so conti cup um fa cup and then obviously the league itself so lots of games um So that's exciting because I think we have a very new squad. I think we made 11 or 12 new signings. So we're a very new team, which is Mm -hmm. pretty exciting and cool because we get to chart our own path. We get to start over. We get to start from the bottom and create something new, which is really special. And even our staff is a bit new. They came at the end of last season. So really, really cool already. Um, But yeah, I'm hoping to be reintegrated with the group. I think I'll miss a couple games, um, but we'll hopefully be back uh pretty soon uh next couple next couple weeks or so so excited to get back out there and on the pitch and to make my debut yeah
0: it's probably gonna be a wild feeling playing pro soccer in in england and just london area i feel like it's just such a huge yeah that's like everything to them that's like mlb nfl nba combined is just (laughs) like this premier league soccer so yeah that would be very cool we'll be following you for that we brought this up this up a little bit earlier you mentioned it the difference of dealing with injury as a pro player versus a collegiate player and a younger player how is like the yeah. mindset the staff how is it is it different for you and your experience
1: i think the biggest difference i think has been the fact that i've decided to learn from like my previous injuries i think like obviously mm. depending on the setting things will be different so like here i mean i'm in a fully professional environment so i have the resources that i need to recover just even if i wasn't injured on the daily to keep me healthy like we've got all of that here right you know they take exceptional care of to go
0: to during the day yeah
1: like this is <laughs> my full-time thing yeah. yeah the full-time thing is for me to keep myself healthy and fit so like i have all the resources here i uh, been progressing back and so I'll be back on the pitch soon. So, but I think the physical part in that sense is taken care of by the club, but they can obviously like fix mentally, emotionally, how I'm feeling. Obviously um, yeah. we have a sports psych and stuff, which is great. That's just for the, the first, uh, the first team, women's team. Um, but I think for me, just in this period is just trying to take the learnings that I've had from like the previous experiences I've had and just in life and in sport and in injury um, and just trying mm-hmm. to, to still bring my best self and to not maybe fall into the hap- the the patents that I know I can. Um, mm-hmm. And also I think to just be like kind to yourself. I think that's really hard, especially as an athlete, you're always looking for the next thing. You're always pushing yourself. You're never satisfied. That's how you become great. That's how you become elite. We know that. But I think at the same time, it's like, well, you also like have come a long way at the same time. And it's yeah. okay, even though you're not where you want to be, it's okay to be happy that you're here. And I think I struggle with that right now because I'm like, well, I'm so not happy because I'm not where I want to be. I want to be back on the pitch. I want to be right. doing all these things so I can get stuck there like, mentally where it's like, well, just because you're not there doesn't mean you can't be happy. And I and I like right. actually right. texted this to my friend Savannah as well, who you know, of course, because she was asking about mm-hmm. me. And I was like, I think I finally have moved into the acceptance phase, even though this is like a month later, (laughs) I finally like accepted where I'm at and I'm like, it's fine. Like I, I don't have to be frustrated. I don't have to be all those things. Like I can actually like, this can be my everything right now and I can put everything into it and I can be really happy. Even I'm going to have some tough days where it's hard, but I can also just still be happy when I'm in the canteen with the girls having a laugh. Like it doesn't always have to be serious and heavy all the time. And I think that's the thing that I'm trying to like really try to do differently um yeah just just be kind and to actually like celebrate those little wins because I, I don't think i do that enough i think i just kind of like okay yeah. on to the next thing on to the next thing um but yeah mm. i'm trying to do that differently um but yeah i think it's so cool. important cool. to like manage your mental and emotional well-being because that's probably one of the hardest things and it's so important in sport right it's not just the physical part so yeah yeah
0: i think it's yeah it's if you if we were like say what Injuries are, I feel like it's almost like 80% mental 20% physical. Like hundred percent. Most of the time. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like it's more mature Maddie now going through injuries. <laughs> and she's <Yeah>. been, <laughs> been tested through it. Um, do you think you, this is something I did for sure, for sure in college, and it probably caused me to stop playing a little early. Do you think you, you used to force yourself back or was it your coaches forcing you back like too soon? And now do you change that? Is that something that was part of it too?
1: Oh, a hundred percent. Like I think, which is maybe like kind of a not so good thing to say, but I kind of feel like Mm -hmm. at least here, one of the quotes our our coach says is that they really want to stretch us. They don't want to like break us. They want to stretch us. And I think, right. But I think college soccer, I think college sports is more of a system that's built to break at times than it is to stretch players. I think it's a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I definitely felt pressure. Of course, I think, I think I definitely wanted to get myself back, but I think maybe I felt that pressure because my coaches were like, when are you going to be back? When are you going to be back? And then sometimes they're just right. like, you got to play, you know? Right. And then you right. just- And it's such a just...
0: short short season too. Yeah, when... exactly.
1: And it's a short season. So you have no time. Yeah. yeah, and
0: right.
1: so when they're t- asking you to play, they're telling you you need to play, then you kind of just suck it up, push those feelings away to get through it. But then you can get into mm-hmm. a pattern of doing those things. So then it's like, well, right. how much- right do I push? If I'm in this level of pain, I probably shouldn't be playing, but I'm still being asked to do it. And I'm still performing at a high level. So that means I can do it and sustain it. But it's like, well, something has to give and that's going to be on mm-hmm. you. It's not going to be anyone else. It's going to be you. Right. So like your energy, exactly. your everything, your mood, all of that's going to be affected because you're performing and under so much strain, um, whether that's physical, like emotional and whatnot. So I think it's definitely a bit of both, but I think I probably found myself mm. there more because that was the environment I was in where it was like, I almost like had to. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I definitely, I definitely feel the same way. I think it's, that's a good way to put, it, to put it too, like stretch versus break. I think that's, yeah, that's a good way to phrase it. And yeah, the, the seasons are very different. Like it comes really fast. It's like if you get injured and you're out for like five weeks, you're going to miss basically the whole season. Whole so, thing, yeah, So yeah it's very different and it's, I'm glad that you're in the pro scene where, where now it's like spread out and you yeah. have time to ease your way back in one question we'll have two questions to finish, finish it off here first one is who are Mads and Haley's role models in life and in sport that kind of kind of drive you and you look towards for inspiration and they're what they taught you yeah
1: I think I kind of for for life I'd just say probably just like my parents I think like my mom just in how she's just very smart and just like everything she does like she's just she just makes good decisions like I just I don't really know how Mm -hmm. else to really like articulate her but she's just very very smart we all we just always had a very very good relationship always gotten along and I just I think she's just very smart I think she the way that she approaches things and makes decisions it's well thought out. Um, yeah. And I think I just really appreciate that quality. Um, and I think I like her in a lot of ways. So I think mm. I see like a lot of her in me. Um, I don't know if she necessarily does. I've never really asked her, but I'm sure she does. Um, and I think, <laughs> I'm sure
0: she does. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I think now that I'm older, like with my dad, I think the relationship has changed a lot. Cause I think when I was younger, you know, he'd say a lot of things and I'd just be like, oh, you know, whatever, like in terms of sport, I'd just be like, oh, whatever, you know, that doesn't apply. But I think I just like wasn't ready to hear it at that time. But now that I'm a lot older, I think he's seen me grow up and like I am professional and he's seeing me really act and, you know, carry myself as a professional. So I think our relationship has changed because now it's less of him telling me, oh, you should do this a lot. He's not doing that at all. He's just more of like Mm -hmm. just kind of checking in there to kind of advise like, you know, like a lot of the time I think when I'm talking to him, it's him more praising me for the things that I'm doing versus really adding a comment or adding a criticism. Like even right now, like, you know, I was speaking to him earlier and he was like, you know, did you speak to the coach? Did you have a meeting? Blah, blah, blah. Because he's like, I talked when I talked to you last week, you were frustrated. And he's like, I don't care like what the plan is, but like, do you, as long as you feel good about it. And I was like, Well, yeah, I do. And he's like, Great. Right. Then it doesn't matter. And he was like, Well, then don't be stressed because you know you're fine. When you get there and you're healthy, then you'll dominate and you're going to do your thing. That's fine. So I think just our relationship has changed a lot, and I think I appreciate him more. I think I listen to him a bit more now because I'm ready to hear it. I think, like I, I think I can appreciate how great he was. Because I didn't watch him play. And I'm not an American football fan, like, in, you know, the most extreme senses. So, like, I don't, I -hmm. still can't grapple probably with how great he was and how great he is, you know, Mm -hmm. and how how people see him. But he was great and he knows what he's talking about. (laughs) I think when I was younger, I didn't even want to admit that. You think you're smarter than everyone else. But now I'm like, okay, I'm actually not. So I actually need your advice, you know, sometimes. So I think in terms of my Mm -hmm. personal life, I'd say them. I think in terms of sport, I think I find it hard. Like, obviously I could name, you know, famous, famous players, whatnot. But I think for me, I've always, when I go into environments, it's typically someone in my environment that I will say is my mm-hmm. role model. Like I had, you know, when I was at Stanford, you know, Kira Caruso, you know, Avery Collins, maybe in more of a personal, like, life sense than sport. No. Um, but, like, Kira definitely, for me, was, like, my sporting role model, like, in that environment. Like, Jay boss here. Like, there were so many people where I'm like, oh, I want to take, like, yeah. pieces of all of you And I want to be that player, that person. And I, and I still, I did that in Australia as well. You know, Nat Tobin, you know, like Charlotte McLean, like all these people, I'm like, I just want to take little bits of you. And I want to take that and like, take that with me and like use that to make me a better person and player. And it's the same thing here in Brighton as well. Like, I think that's more motivating to me than saying Serena Williams, because I get to see that person every single day. And I get to develop yeah. a relationship with that person. So it's more meaningful, I think. And I can learn more and I can ask questions and I can engage and I can connect and do all those things. So I think I always struggle to answer that question because I think what people want to hear is the Serena Williams. They want to hear the Mia Hams. But for me, it's right. probably just someone in my environment. So hopefully that I answers. I that answer. <laughs>
0: that's, that's a very good answer. Yeah, that's super real too. It's, yeah, because it's not like you can call up Serena and be like, okay, hey, yeah. I was thinking like, what'd you do when you went through this? <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly.
0: But yeah, I feel like at a at a real level, most of us do that, right? Like we look up to certain players in our team that are crushing it. Yeah. Um, and we try to be like them. So that's a very good answer. And then last one would be right now, what, what would be your main advice to young athletes, people in general? What's something that you stick to and think is paramount to who you are in terms of going through a sports journey? What do you think is your final message from Maddie?
1: I think like, just being authentic. I think just as a person in terms of just being who you are and like unapologetically, like I think if you find yourself like if people are not willing to accept you for you, then they don't deserve you. And I think that you should probably be looking for a different environment <laughs> because mm-hmm. you know, unless you're doing something crazy and bad or whatever, but if you're just being you, then I think people should accept you for who you are. You know what I mean? So I think just being authentic and I think it also applies just on the, on the pitch or on the court or whatever sport you play, because I feel like if you're, you know, pushing to be an elite athlete, you're going to find yourself in some really tough and uncomfortable, uncomfortable environments. And I think that's when you can start to feel like you're getting a lot of information from your coaches, you're getting a lot of information from your teammates and, and you're new and you're trying to figure things out. And then you start being someone that you're not because you're hearing all these people and you're, and you're trying to do all these things, but it's like, well, if you're in that environment or you recruited or now you signed a professional contract. They recruited you for the person that you are and the player that you are. Mm-hmm. Now they're going to try to develop you and help you grow, but that you're still that fundamental player. So don't go into an environment and just toss that out and try to be doing a whole lot of other things that aren't really you right. because ultimately you'll probably be unsuccessful because those aren't your strengths. You know what your strengths are and the coaches know what your strengths are and they're going to try to you know improve your weaknesses and whatnot. So I think, that would be my advice: being authentic on and off the pitch, of course. But I think on the pitch, don't ever lose sight of like what makes you special. Like you should be able to articulate like what's your X factor, what makes you special on the pitch. Like if you can't do that, then you start looking at yourself, watching some film, figure it out, you know. Because don't lose that mm-hmm. because that's your everything. Like that's your North star. Like you know what I mean. You're gonna always want to improve everything else, but like you've got to know what makes you special. So that's my advice.
0: That's awesome. I love I love that, and that is that's a good fact just in life in general too. Yeah. Um, Awesome. Uh, Incredible episode. Incredible person. You're going to keep killing it. Um, Thank you to everybody for listening and and stay tuned for more episodes. Be sure to share them with your friends, any parts that you like uh, on social media, things like that. But thank you again to Maddie and we'll be back soon.
1: Thank you.